Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Truer Love Stories. I'm really happy to have you here this month. It's been a tough few weeks after learning about the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade, as it impacts so many women, specifically in the U.S., but I know also in other countries, because it sends a global message about our worth, right? And for me, at least, even though I'm married and I live in California, and I'm not necessarily at a stage in my life where I'll be directly impacted by not having access to an abortion or my reproductive rights, as a woman, it affects me because it tells me that there are still people who believe that I don't have the right to have a say in what happens to the potential life inside of my body, the potential life that is technically a part of my body until it's not. And I know there's an argument to be made here about ideology, namely when life actually starts. But I don't ascribe to an ideology that leaves my thoughts and feelings out of the equation. And I live in a country that says that's okay and that I don't have to ascribe to that ideology. In fact, it's in our constitution. So it doesn't make me feel very seen or heard or acknowledged that laws are being made about my body based on an ideology that I don't support. And it certainly doesn't make me feel free or independent. So I wasn't feeling particularly celebratory this month, as you may imagine. And I bring it up because I think it needed to be acknowledged because we're all going through it. And I also bring it up because what we talk about here on this podcast is all about relationships and these dynamics that we're constantly analyzing and trying to understand. These dynamics that are super powerful because they function on both a personal level and on a cultural level. So my newsletter this past week was all about the dysfunction and codependency I see within the relationships on our national stage. And I don't want to take up this whole episode talking about it, although I certainly could, but I also couldn't not acknowledge it because I know it's affecting a lot of us. So if you want some insight or some comfort around this issue, check out my Instagram post titled Is America Codependent? or read that email of mine with the same name if you haven't already. This is an issue that really needs to be processed and that's one of the benefits of having a community is that it's ideally a safe place to process. And I hope that this community can be that for you and that it can be a place where you feel seen and heard when perhaps you don't otherwise. So please feel free to reach out. I know some people have already to talk to me about this. I'm here. There's a bit of talk about what I discussed in my newsletter last week about how we put the idea of independence on a pedestal and how that affects the quality of our relationships. It's like we think that independence, which we see as strength and power and confidence, 
is the opposite of dependence, which we see as being needy and weak and insecure. And the thing is, it's not. Dependence in and of itself is completely healthy and natural. Codependence is different. Codependence is an insecure relationship dynamic that feeds our pre-existing insecurities and magnifies our insecure attachment styles. But there is such a thing as healthy dependence, and it's called interdependence. And that is where we depend on each other in a secure way. So I touch on these ideas with our guest in the episode a bit, and they feel really relevant to the discussion we've been having in the U.S. right now. So it's something that I wanted to highlight. Another thing that I touch on with my guest is the idea of fantasy when it comes to falling in love. And this is related to our culture at large as well in some ways, and to this discussion that we're having around Roe v. Wade right now, because as women, we are encouraged to make romantic love our ultimate goal and the determinant of our worth, because it leads to marriage and children, right? And You know, I've done a lot that I'm proud of in my life, but I've never gotten as much of an outpouring of love and congratulations as when I got engaged. And while that love felt so wonderful, this little part of me, maybe it's the eternally single woman in me, was so angry that of all the things I've done in my life, all of the things that I'm proud of, that's what mattered most to people that I was going to be married. And look, I love love and I support love and I believe in love. If not, I wouldn't be here, right? But it just proved to me that this is still the priority in our culture, that this is still what's deserving of being celebrated. The fact that I'd be a wife and presumably a mother, that I would be validated by my culture at large. And this importance that we place on romantic love specifically for women I think is a huge factor in the pressure and the preoccupation and the confidence we have when we like someone. It's as though our country has programmed us to have an anxious attachment style around love because we've been told that we're not worthy without it. And this contributes, I think, to the fantasy that we create in our heads when we meet someone we think has romantic potential. So if we're culturally programmed to be preoccupied with love, and then we also have an anxious attachment style on top of that, you can see why it's so easy to fall in love with someone's potential, because we're so desperate to be validated, that we often put our needs aside and ignore the real person standing in front of us if we think there's a chance they could potentially validate us. And as a result, we end up falling in love with the idea of them rather than the real them. And that's why I reject the idea of quote unquote true love, the imaginary love that seeps into our subconscious and creates the fantasy within us. And why I want to help you create truer love, love that is conscious and rooted in truth and fact and science and reality. Because that, my friends, is really the road to the love you're looking for. And I think our guest this episode really encapsulates so many of these ideas. I'm so grateful to her for sharing herself with us today. So with all that said, 
let's hear her story. All right, welcome to our show today. I'm so happy to have you here in our virtual studio. I'm really looking forward to this discussion with you on our pre-call. I feel like so many interesting things came up, so I'm super excited to get into it with you today. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get into it. Awesome. So on our previous call, you were telling me a little bit about yourself Mm -hmm. and that was that you had had a long relationship for about seven years Mm -hmm. and it sounded like that relationship was pretty okay, I guess was the sense I got from it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, there was nothing particularly traumatizing about it necessarily, but that what you said was that you got woke I know. Or rather you woke up. Sure. You woke up. Absolutely. And kind of into who you are and who, what you really want. And you started kind of down this consciousness path Mm -hmm. and that he wasn't really going to go with you on that path. Mm -hmm. And so you broke up with him, had maybe some dark night of the soul period (laughs) where you were reckoning with yourself as is, you know, necessary for any growth, of course. Right. And now you kind of come out on the other side of that and want to, you know, create, I like to say co-create relationships rather than find Mm -hmm. a conscious relationship, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's active. It's not a passive thing to have a conscious relationship. So now you're in that space and you kind of have a crush on someone, (laughs) but you're not really sure how to pursue it exactly or kind of how to go about kind of creating that relationship and knowing who to do that with. Is that totally kind of where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. During that long relationship, while we were like totally in love and meant for each other at the time we met in college and, you know, as it goes, and I just started, I mean, I'd always been hell bent on working on myself on like being the best person I could be being perfect for everybody. Cause I was a people pleaser and kind of waking up and shifting out of that. We definitely had like some jealousy stuff where he had this ex-girlfriend who just like would not go away. And I was like, okay, I need to fix this within me. Cause you know, the secret had just come out and I was like, okay, well, if I can control my energy, thank goodness that that was like my biggest takeaway from that kind of a thing. So yeah, things started to shift for me. And now I still find myself kind of wired to find a partner and I'm still kind of finding myself. I'm like single. I feel great about myself. I've been, you know, on this journey of self-love and I still find myself like going on a hike, just like, just rubbernecking any any gentleman I see. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, calm down. Like, let it show up, let it arrive. And so in the last year I've encountered this gentleman who's just like, I, I don't know him that well on a personal level, but we've been in similar circles and I've learned a lot about him through others and through like his social media and all of that. So he won't leave my mind. And I've, you know, I've actually asked him out kind of a couple times and he's just like so busy and I'm like, okay, let him go, let him go. But then like, he'll be in my dreams. And I'm like, okay, universe, what does this mean? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm kind of just navigating that space of like, trying to let it flow, but I definitely can hide behind, you know, whatever excuses to not do something bold. So I'm kind of just exploring all of that. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I really like that you use the word wired, you, that you feel like you're wired to look for a relationship because mm-hmm. actually you are. <laughs> That's, you know, in our very independent minded world, mm-hmm. but we're very like, we've grown up, I think, in the post-feminist movement of America to kind of really embrace our independence and especially as women, this idea that we don't need a partner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely true. We don't need a partner at this mm-hmm. stage in the 21st century to survive, but we are biologically programmed to want a partner, not just someone to procreate with, but actually to connect with. So I don't know about you. I feel like I definitely have clients and myself was very hard on myself for having that desire when I wanted to feel like, especially, you know, people in the wellness space who we want to love ourselves and we think self-love has a lot to do with our ability to be alone mm-hmm. and it does to a degree, you know, but I just want to like at the very beginning confirm for you that you're doing okay, even if you're <laughs> longing, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. To not hold that against yourself or be too hard on yourself about that aspect. That's major because um, it definitely is a story of like being boy crazy, like since a child. So it kind of, there's that's there's some relief there. <laughs> and well, I'm glad you said that too, because we're not only programmed for that in our bodies and like biologically, but we also do live in a culture that perpetuates this specifically for cis women mm-hmm. and for little girls, right? You know, that's totally. what we're exposed to and we're shown to. And it really does make us programmed to mm-hmm. make a romantic relationship the end all be all of our mm-hmm. existence, right? So, and then as we get older and we realize, wait, I'm too attached or I'm too needy or like, I don't want to be this. I want to be the independent person. It's almost like that becomes a shadow, that desire for someone, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's like, we push it away. And so kind of integrating that idea that like, you can be a self-sufficient, independent woman and also have this desire and it's okay, you know? So maybe doing some kind of journaling or meditation around like I've done some kind of integration meditations where you picture both sides of yourself. Like Mm -hmm. who are you as an independent woman? What does she look like? And then who are you in a relationship? Imagine them like coming together and holding hands and merging. I like that. You know? Yeah. So that's a thing. And so the other part of what you mentioned was this idea of this guy who you can't stop thinking about and he's in your head and he's in your dreams, you know, and, and what does that mean? Does that mean something? Mm -hmm. And so I have a few feelings and thoughts about that. Great. So first off, when we have a strong reaction to someone, right. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think there's a reason for that, you know, however, I think that the kind of programming we were just talking about, I think is a factor. I think attachment and our biological desire to attach is a factor. And I think, again, being in the spiritual space of assigning meaning to things, you know, and like, especially when we're spiritual people, we look for signs and meanings to guide us. And I think that there are things that come from our intuition that are guideposts, right? That I need to do this right now. Or like you just get a knowing, right? We It shows up in us all differently, that intuition. And I think those are meant to be moments, right? And mm-hmm. But I think sometimes all that swirling around of romanticizing the idea of who we want in a relationship, you know, 
happens sometimes and then we assign meaning to it and because that's mm -hmm. what we want to happen. So we kind of project our desires onto mm -hmm. the situation, right? And that's not to say that he's meant for you or he's not, but I think sometimes we give too much weight to that, you know, mm -hmm. but he's in your head, right? So like, what do you do with that, you know? And so there could be a few different reasons he's in your head, right? Like you're attracted to him, hormones, you know, he might have a lot of things in common with you, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, I'd like to know actually a little bit more about him. Cause I know you said he's been in your social circle and you've had mm -hmm. some interactions, mm -hmm. but have you like had conversations with him? Could you tell us a little bit more about like how well you know him? Sure. We met through like a breathwork class. And so like, I first saw him on zoom and it was like, so silly, but I was like, oh my God, that's like the most amazing person. Yeah. And then, so since then we've had like minor engagements, like a few messages exchanged on social media where it's like kind of flirty, where he's like, you're so like, I love how like fun, funny you are, whatever. Like there's like quick exchanges and mm -hmm. then never actually met in person actually until like a month ago. And it was quick, but there was there, I mean, maybe I, I was like hoping it would be like totally underwhelming and I would be like, okay, cool. We can move on because now we just, now we know, but no, yeah. it was still like kind of sparks and it was very quick. I was like shy. And so we spoke like really briefly, but I didn't feel like we were like really connect. We didn't have that much time to really like connect, I guess, but he is in the conscious space. He's very successful. And I think that there's probably a lot of my like wants to be seen by someone like that or want his type of success, want his type of like commitment and devotion to his business that is like totally conscious and like new age and like exciting for someone like me. And he's like manly and like, so yeah. I think, I think there's a fascination there too. Yeah. 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 And I think we talked about this on the pre-call a little bit, how, oftentimes we, when we get crushes specifically, we're kind of attracted to people when we don't know them and have a context for who they are. It's really the idea of them we get caught up with. Mm -hmm. totally. And a lot of times we're attracted to people who the idea of them, how they seem outwardly to us is actually what we want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And by getting their attention, it validates that desire to in us to be seen that way by ourselves right mm -hmm. and I do think that that's a little bit what might be going on look yeah. you could very simply have a crush right like without all the overanalyzing and everything mm -hmm. you have a crush and that's totally okay and I'm not saying that every crush is this way mm -hmm. but there is a tendency and I think this is perpetuated a lot on dating apps for instance and when we have crushes and we don't know someone where we get attached to this big idea of them mm -hmm. and, and we're not really getting to know the real them, right? And we're not establishing a relationship with who they actually are. And that's just, it can be a challenging space to navigate because like you can't change the fact that he's in your mind and you're having these feelings. But I do think knowing where they're coming from a little and kind of how to break down, you know, what's real and what's just in my head might be helpful. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is looking at the facts, right? Like, you know, your interactions with him. Okay. So there's definitely a little chemistry. There's mm -hmm. some flirtation. It sounds like he thinks you're funny, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit more, you mentioned you kind of asked him out on a couple of occasions. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about what those, the context of those were? 
Totally. Initially it was like, Hey, caught you on this podcast. Would love to like talk more about it. I feel like we have like very similar ideas or whatever. And it was like, great. Yeah. Come by sometime to his work or something. And I was like, whoa, whoa, and didn't reach out for a little bit. Then I did. And then he never got back to me about when, and then he was in my dream and I was like, Hey, you're my dream. I, I don't know. I feel like we should probably just like meet or hang out or something like, I don't know. Let's listen to the universe. And he was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm super busy. I don't think I can like write the day that I said. And then yeah. I'm just trying not to like give too much away, but I don't know. Uh, like he's going to listen to this now. Probably not, but I understand. Probably not. Um, if you don't want to go into more detail than that, but oh, no, I they, don't were, mind. they were kind of not solid. Confirmed. Well, yeah. So I have this business where I distress upcycled clothing that I've kind of like started also during quarantine. And mm-hmm he shifted the conversation more over to that because I had done some work for his business. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe he's trying to like keep that separate, I guess. But like, we don't talk directly about that. I talked to somebody else about that. So I'm like, that shouldn't be an issue. I'm not, I'm like, I'm bleaching clothes. Like I'm not in your business, buddy. But anyway, so there was that kind of deflection and that kind of came up when I met him in person. He was like, want to get more stuff from you. And I was like, okay, cool. Like stop bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of like deflected it to that. And I was like, well, let me know. It totally can do work for you. Also, let me know about that walk. Cause I was like, let's go for a walk on the beach. Cause we live near the beach. Yeah. And so he kind of just like never got back to me. And I understand being a totally busy person. I also understand him not being interested and that's totally fine. Uh, those lessons are good for me too. I would just, and then we're in this weird limbo of me kind of engaging with their business, but not, and I'm like observing the universe and kind of thinking like, what is this, I guess? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just in a funky limbo. Does that give you more information? It does, it does. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, and I can see where it's confusing because you're like, wait, are you are engaging, but you're not, it's, you know? Yeah. And so a few things. So to me, there's one of three things happening here. Mm-hmm. One, like you mentioned, the worst case scenario is that he's just not interested. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually think it's the worst case in the sense that if he's not the person for you, it's not worst at all. But Mm -hmm. just like in terms of when we like someone, it's the worst case scenario if they're not interested. Right. Right. And then two, he's interested, but maybe genuinely not at a good place either because he's busy or he's going through something and he doesn't want to get into it, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I know a lot of times we as a collective sometimes push past or even maybe anxiously attach people. Cause I, I think you mentioned that you felt you were anxiously attached, mm-hmm. you know, and we attach quickly when we're anxiously attached and kind of try to ignore signs. Right. And like put, you know, so like we'll start a relationship with someone's potential rather than with who they are right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if he was in that space where a relationship just genuinely wasn't right for him right now because maybe he likes you and he's trying to avoid that because he knows he's not in the right space Mm. but that's still not someone you necessarily want to engage with right especially if you're looking to have a conscious relationship right totally because ultimately part of having a conscious relationship is feeling like we're being reciprocated with and that we can both meet in this space of Mm -hmm. co-creation where we can come together and are both willing and want to be there. Right. And, and I think a lot of us, the times we know that consciously, but when you're in it and you're getting mixed signals, it's hard to be clear about that, you know, when feelings are there and stuff. So I think that's option number two of possibilities. And then I think the third one is that he's interested, 
but he's avoidant. Mm. And that's the one I'm leaning to a little now. I will mm-hmm. say I'm a little biased with my little attachment lens on all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I don't like to quote unquote diagnose people with attachment styles too early or when I don't know about them. So mm-hmm. I like, you know, take it with a grain of salt that sure. this is my interpretation. But, you know, the signs so far to me that he's avoidant are being non-committal, not wanting to talk about anything deeper than like clothing you know, being able to be flirtatious via text, but not necessarily in person, mm-hmm. um, not following up on things, you know, like to me, those are kind of little avoidant signs. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense that you have chemistry because a lot of times anxious types and avoidant types have a quick chemistry. And it's easy for anxious types to get attached quickly to avoidant people. So him, especially if he's in your social circle, he's in your dreams, and mm-hmm. you haven't had necessarily a solid conversation or con- like deep connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You've okay. had, it sounds like some conversing, but yeah, not like not public like, exchanges, not, yeah, no one-on-one time. Yeah, yeah. So those would be my guesses. And mm-hmm. so could it mean something? Like, what does it mean, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's not to say it doesn't mean he's supposed to have a purpose in your life because he's affecting you. And that alone tells me there's a purpose there. But that purpose might be more for the purpose of growth, like Mm -hmm. even just having this conversation, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, versus because you're supposed to be with him necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I did notice in becoming aware of his existence, I guess, I found a lot of triggers in myself and my lifestyle, like not being as rigid or committed to my practice as him, like him maybe having more like hardcore things that he does every single day. And I'm like, Oh, like I would be such a cool bitch if I did all that stuff too, or whatever. Like I started, which I think perhaps is related to my attachment style, or I should say my previous attachment style, because I'm starting to feel like I've shifted it quite a bit. But in the past, it would totally, you know, I just give up everything, like give up my whole day for somebody, give up kind Mm -hmm. of my worth for their opinion type of things is like my old way. And I kind of, I'm wondering if it's kind of that shifting of me acknowledging, okay, I'm still incredible, even though I'm maybe smoking more weed than this person is or whatever it is, you know? Well, first of all, I was going to say before, like you said, you'd be such a cool bitch if you did stuff like, (laughs) like, I feel like you're a pretty cool bitch right now. I just, I mean, I know I don't know (laughs) you that well, but like so far I can say that confidently. So just (laughs) side note there. Um, Yeah. I think that's going back a little bit to what we were saying before about the projection thing and the being validated by someone who we want to be like. Mm -hmm. we see ourselves potentially being you know and so I think that's the thing to take note of of like oh you know rituals like I would like to have more discipline in my life you know Mm -hmm. Um, personally I mean I think we I was telling you before the call I've started biking regularly on my stationary bike which is so unlike me I've done it like six or seven times in the past week Mm -hmm. but I take an edible before I do that so I don't think (laughs) I mean I like (laughs) It's just for me, like going to yoga, like being physical, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I enjoy being high for those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think they don't have to be different ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously we all are different when we smoke or, you know, it affects us differently. Sure. But, you know, it's so easy to think in dichotomies like this or that or comparing ourselves when usually there is a little space in between that's you know, more balanced than that. So just as an alternative way of thinking about that and yourself, 
you know? Thank you. But yeah, I learned the hard way and I've seen it with a lot of clients. And I really believe this is true that when someone is into us, we won't have to question it. Mm -hmm. And that's a shitty thing to hear sometimes when we really like someone (laughs) and we're trying to find all traces of proof that they're into us, you know? And again, I don't think that it means he's uninterested. Like it sounds like he's being flirty, but is he going to be able to provide you with the conscious relationship you're looking for? That's Mm -hmm. the difference, right? Like, could he be someone who ends up being attracted to you, who you have a little relationship with, who you hook up with, who maybe you get attached to for too long? You know, there's so many different ways it could go. That's not to say Mm -hmm. that there's no relationship there to be had, but is it the relationship that you're looking for? And based on my perspective, I think, early on, like that's not necessarily going to lead you to that. Mm -hmm. But I also know how important experience is to us really believing things. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, you know, that's something you would have to figure out for yourself in pursuing it. But what I really like try to guide clients towards is, well, actually, I think this is a good example. I'm going to be talking about Brene Brown a lot, I think in the coming months, because I'm like, love her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I recently have been deep diving on her for some content I'm going to start doing. She was on Super Soul Sessions, and she did a talk on the anatomy of trust. And it started with this kind of you know, anecdote about her daughter who came home upset one day and her daughter's teacher had this marble jar. And when the class was doing well together, the marble jar would get filled when they were, everyone was being nice to each other and working as a unit, the marble jar gets filled. And so her daughter comes home being really upset that something happened to her that day and her friends betrayed her trust somehow. And so Brene makes the, you know, ingenious analogy, of course, that trust is like a marble jar and that Trust is something that gets built up very slowly over time, each marble at a time. And so when someone puts a a marble in your marble jar, that means that they've done something to earn your trust and that each time they do it, you know, that's how, you know, you can confide in them more and more and things like following through, like, even though they seem so small, but someone kind of saying they want to hang out and then not following up, it's like, they're taking away from the marble jar, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they're not creating a space of safety or for you to feel secure. Instead, there's all this uncertainty. And especially with anxious types, we don't do well when we feel anxious like that, when there's that uncertainty. We do much better when we have someone who is more clear about their intentions. But the problem is we get really attracted to the avoidant uncertain types. And so Mm -hmm. we think that's what magic and fantasy and like love really feels like, you know, when really it's probably a mix of hormones and fantasy coming together, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, you are a fucking cool bitch and awesome like (laughs) person, you know, I was going to say girl, but you're not a girl, you're a woman. And so many men. I think must want you or like have wanted you, you know? And so, you know, I, I just don't want to see you feel like you have to chase for someone's attention, you know, because that person, it's always going to be that way. Okay. I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode and want to be able to apply the process I use to coach my clients for yourself, That process being learning to identify your needs and speak up for your needs as a way to determine if your partner can meet them, then you may be interested in taking my Conscious Communication mini course. This two and a half hour course has four short lessons that go in depth with attachment theory and how to use it to communicate most effectively with each style. 
This means communicating in a way that will either help you get closer to your partner or help you more quickly determine if they're not the right person for you. What I teach in this short course is the foundation of all my coaching work. It's about how to get your needs met so you can have a more satisfying, secure, and lasting relationship. This course is normally $99, but I'm gifting all my podcast listeners $25 off when you use the code COMMUNICATE at checkout. To receive this special gift, just hop on over to my website at truerlove.com, click on the Love Guidance tab, and scroll down to the Conscious Communication mini course. There is so much information packed into this mini course. So if you're interested in learning how I work with my clients, this is the perfect way to start. All right, now that you have all that info, let's get back to today's episode. Like, especially with avoidant people, like they kind of need a little bit of, I don't want to say a chase because it's really more they need their space, you Mm -hmm. know, and it ends up looking like a chase to us. Like we Mm -hmm. have to make them chase us. And so, you know, that's what in this dynamic, what ends up happening a lot is that, you know, the anxious person will kind of play aloof to get the person's attention, you know, and then it works for a while, but then it's like, you constantly have to work to keep their attention, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's exhausting. And you can't be your highest self in the relationship and feel like your whole, like, especially all the work and wellness you've been putting into who you are, like, that's the thing about relationship work is we can put all this time and energy into building up being this like really highly aware person. But if we're being triggered by someone, we go back to this other space, you know, mm-hmm. of doubt and stuff. And I know he hasn't like necessarily triggered you per se yet. Like it's not that serious yet. Right. Sure. But within myself, like I've noticed it like, oh, he didn't quite like answer the way that I thought or whatever. Like I'm seeing the triggers within myself and I'm trying to just, you know, take them, learn from them, move on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not a reflection of something being wrong with you or not. Right. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it feels like rejection when it's someone we want, who's making us feel that way, you know? Yeah. So what I encourage you to do is like, okay, maybe you'll still think about it. Maybe you still have a crush, but like kind of journal for yourself or reflect on like these little things that are triggering you about him. Mm -hmm. Cause that's, I think where the real like gems are of why he's around And then I would also like kind of notice who is treating you in a way if you're around any other men or on the dating apps. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're doing that thing right now. Yeah, I'm on there. (laughs) (laughs) But start paying attention to the people who you can tell they want to engage. And and I will warn you that sometimes anxious people are not attracted to the people who want to engage at first because we don't have the anxiety. <laughs> but if you can push past that feeling a little, that's something I would suggest. Cool. I also want to go back to something you said about how you noticed that like back in the day, you were much more of a people pleaser and you more quickly would kind of just like give everything over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you've been really leaning into loving yourself and, you know, being alone and all that stuff, you notice you don't do that as quickly. Is that what Mm -hmm. you had said? Yeah. Or as much or the tendency is less. I've become much more secure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, that's how it happens. It's incremental like that. It's a process. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, how do I fix my attachment style? That's like the phrase they'll use. How do I fix it? Like it's something that's wrong, you know? Exactly. And 
and it's not something that's wrong. I understand the tendency for people to want to be secure, but it isn't something that happens overnight. It's something that over years of experience and really like doing like the reflection with ourselves and noticing who we are in relationships and what triggers us, just like you are with this guy, um, Mm -hmm. that we start kind of becoming more secure, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean everything about it goes away necessarily. Like meaning we might still get triggered. We might still feel like we're getting attached quickly. You know, like those things are just like so ingrained in, in how we've learned to relate to people that they don't go away easily. But mm-hmm. it's about exactly what you're doing where like you just can notice, oh, I'm getting attached kind of quickly right now, you know, mm-hmm. or, and yeah, does that all make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I don't give myself enough credit for being able to like stop and notice the different changes I'm starting to have as I navigate the dating world. So it is a great reminder. And the fact, yeah, that it those those triggers will always kind of be there and they'll probably evolve. But yeah, I guess just noticing them first. I have learned a lot as far as like, I never really asked somebody out in the way that I had with him before. So that I was like, so scared. My friend kind of made me do it, but she was like, yeah, I have so many single friends who just don't shoot their shot and they just want to be chased. And I just, I just worry that everyone's just not going to meet because they're just, nobody's taking the extra shot of, of putting themselves out there. So in that way, like, I feel like I have kind of, you know, taken some steps in, in, in kind of calling in what I want, but that's also more energetic. Totally. And I, I actually think your friend, I agree with her. I think that we get very passive because there's the fear of rejection, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just kind of, I don't know if part and parcel is the right phrase here, but it's part of the process of dating, Mm -hmm. which is why dating can be really fun and really not fun all at the same time. Um, (laughs) Especially on the dating apps, you kind of want somebody to be all in for you, but you're simply a digital profile. So it's hard to make that kind of thing start happening, especially. Yeah. And so it's also like the rejection piece. Like the thing is, I remember saying to a friend once, like I had just broken up with someone again. And I said, I just feel like a failure. Like I failed at all these relationships. Like that was a big thing for me that I thought mm-hmm. I was a failure because I, my relationships weren't working out. She's like, but if you think about it, if you want one person to work out, the percentage is going to be low. The rejection mm-hmm. is going to be high. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because in the North Node with holisticism, I was doing the failure tolerance challenge where oh, cool. it's like 21 days of putting yourselves in positions to fail Ooh. to kind of build up your tolerance for failure. And it applies so much to dating too, because she was talking about how when it comes to business, you know, we want to convert people into clients but let's say you have a list and you have a 10, like a 10% conversion rate is actually good, but that means 90% of people are rejecting you. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing on the dating apps, right? It's like, and it's, that's why it like feels so blah and like such a slog because the percentage of the people who you're actually going to want to talk to is so low, mm-hmm. you know, but like it does take being more active and reaching out like your friend was saying, mm-hmm for that potential to happen. And it's building up your rejection tolerance in a way, or your rejection, like resistance, I, you know, is another way of thinking about it where like, I say resistance because like, for me, when I would get rejected, the urge to go down the black hole and like just all the limiting beliefs and everything like anger at myself spiraling, Mm -hmm. like was strong. You know, I'm mentioning all this too, because we were talking about like, 
I think you said on the pre-call, like, it just feels so awkward to, like, I don't want to seem pathetic or needy or whatever, yes. reaching out. And like, yes. I think a lot of women especially relate to that. Again, going back to how we're socialized, we're not socialized to be the ones to reach out, you know, like, right. we're told we need to be chased. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, like unhelpful toxic stuff around that around like not being the ones to initiate and make them want you and all this stuff you know yeah and I think that there's beauty to I think someone eloquently put it on Instagram once is like until then I will not be getting up off of my throne and I was like that's cool like you stay in your queen energy but it's but we also are kind of required to engage in this reality and so I think there's a little, it's a, I think it's a dance. I don't think it's just, I think there's letting go for sure. But I think in letting go, we, we move and that can be scary, especially if you're overthinking what every movement means for yourself. Yes. Yes. But the thing is that relationships are built on our ability to be vulnerable, like conscious mm-hmm. relationships, deep relationships mm-hmm. really are about building that trust, like going back to the marble jar analogy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. building the trust, but then also being able to then trust someone enough to be vulnerable. So there's never any relationship without vulnerability. And if we're just staying on our throne, you know, that's kind of shielding ourselves from that vulnerability. And so I think it's actually healthier to, because the people you can be vulnerable with are Mm -hmm. the people who actually are like you have a higher chance of having a relationship with, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So what might feel like rejection because you do it with one person, another person could respond to it so differently Mm -hmm. and reassure you. And then that builds a little bit of that trust and intimacy there. Like, oh, you know, so I think it's like good to get used to the feeling of being vulnerable, even though it's like the last thing anyone wants to feel, (laughs) you know, and it's like, you know, not easy to start, but I do think once you, you, you've ripped the bandaid off already, you know, (laughs) you've, you've started Mm -hmm. even in these little teeny ways. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that that's great. And I would encourage you, like, I think the apps are actually a really great place Mm -hmm. to kind of have fun and experiment with it Mm -hmm. Um, and like try messaging someone or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and just get in the habit of it, of being more open, because I think it makes it easier to overthink it less when you're doing it more often. Totally. You know? Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. But the apps are like, they're a world unto themselves. They really (laughs) are. There's so much. I mean, it's hilarious at the same time because it's like people watching. It's this fascinating way of seeing how everyone's putting themselves out there. But yeah, it's totally a numbers game. You're just like, you're filtering through. I had a, I did like an Akashic record session with somebody recently and they were like, oh, you're your partner might as well be on another planet or something. She was like, you're an out there person. And, and maybe you feel like your partner is also an out there, so out there that like, maybe they're not, on the, you know, it was kind of like a, yeah. a joke, but I'm like, that's fine. They're, they're still there. They're still, they still exist and they're still on their way. So yeah, I'll just keep swiping <laughs> until it feels good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like such a proponent too, of like, when you reach your like app burnout, like mm-hmm. stop yeah, and walk pop away, off, pop back on with some new photos, something different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally. mean, I met my husband on Tinder and I think I had deleted Tinder with Tinder, which like, I feel like is like 
I hate to say this, but like the lowest of the low apps these days, it's like <laughs> so funny. I feel that way, but I keep hearing these success stories from it. So I go back on, I'm like, this place is crazy. I know. I know. Well, you know, my thought about it when I was on there, cause even then when I was doing it, like everyone's like, Oh, it's just a hookup app. And like, I did have my fair share of hookups from Tinder, but nice. my thought process of, or like my rationale was always I'm normal you know, quote unquote normal. <laughs> sure. I want to be in a relationship and I'm on there. So that must mean that someone else is too. It, exactly. You know? oh, and, exactly. And like the good thing about Tinder is that say what you will, but like it has a lot of people on it. Like, yeah, I think, I think hinge is, is the next one catching up with like popularity. I'd be curious mm-hmm. to know I like who's that on one. which more. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I hear a lot of good things about hinge. Yeah. But I probably said it too many times at this point, but dating is like vintage shopping. You have to weed through a lot of old shit before you can find a hidden gem. Oh, that <laughs> speaks so, so closely to me. It's so true. That's where you get the gems. You put in the time. It's true. You like, you're willing to move through the rack and really see what's hidden under there, you know? And then lo and behold, you find something awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of having the patience to do that, you know? And then, yeah, but I think I was saying I, I like deleted Tinder I don't know how many times when I would just get (laughs) so over it and just like, I can't have this on my phone anymore. I can't think about dating. I don't want to try, you know? And it just so happened. One of the times I was like, let me swipe a little, you know, husband, you go, you never know. You never know. (laughs) No, you Um, don't. You really don't. So I think that you're in like, you're in a great place. And I mean, it's like any other shadow, like feeling these triggers from someone, you know, it's like any other shadow. It just takes kind of, rather than ignoring them, looking at them, like bringing them into the light, examining them and acknowledging they're there, even if there's nothing to do about it, right? Like mm-hmm. even if you see him again in social circles and you still feel, I'd be very curious actually to know how you feel next time you see him after this conversation. I'll keep you updated because it's bound right. to happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in my queen energy when that happens and we'll just see. I might yeah. say something, I don't know. I'd be like, let's go for a walk. I don't know. <laughs> Or I'd be curious to know what happened if you called him out on it, like in a flirty way or like mm-hmm. in a in a kind of relaxed way, like, hey, I never heard from you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I thought we were going to do such and such because truth, truth be told, avoidance actually work better when you're direct with them. Mm. Because when it feels highly emotional or like they're not, you know, like they they can get in their heads, too, in an opposite way. They like go into themselves, whereas we like kind of seek them to confirm it. They go to themselves. So Mm -hmm. um, they work better with kind of directness, which is something anxious people don't do quickly. Mm -hmm. Hence the conflict Mm -hmm. sometimes between them. So I would say, yeah, do a little like call him out on it and see see how he responds, you know? Cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. And then it just feels, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I mean, I'll just, I'll let you know if anything, I'll just keep you posted on it. Yes, please do. As it goes. I'd like to know. Cool. Well, is there anything else that's like on your mind today in relation to any of what we've talked about? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's so interesting. I took the quiz on my attachment style because after hearing just all of your breakdown of everything and so many scenarios. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's anxious attachment relates so strongly to me and everything I've been working to, I guess, kind of release um, Mm -hmm. and kind of separate myself from decondition or whatever. And I took the quiz and I got secure. 
I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was like, well, cool. <laughs> so whenever a relationship, like, cause I'm answering with, this is how I would want to handle each situation. So I'm curious what your take is on that kind of a thing. Like, do people shift their attachment styles and does it take a lot of work to do? Is there always kind of a resonant anxious attachment? Like, how do you feel about changing your style? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit what I said before, where it's incremental. I don't, mm. you know, there was a study done over a four year period where they tested people in the beginning and then four years later tested them again. And 70% of people's styles had stayed the same, 30% mm. had shifted. And they said what it really came down to was if a significant relationship happens that really affects us, that it can really shift you. And then it also is related to how open you are to change. So people who are less inclined to examine themselves or like dig deep or, mm -hmm. you know, it's harder for them to shift, mm -hmm. you know, if they're really solid, like, or stubborn people or not bad, but like, just like some people have such a strong sense of self that they're not as exploratory. Whereas like, I was always like, who am I, you know? Yeah. I'm like, take all of this away from me. <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's burn exactly. it down and build it back up. Yeah. So that's actually a really good indication. So the third thing they mentioned was what kind of models you've had. So like, like if you haven't had any kind of secure role model, mm -hmm. it makes it harder because you can't picture it, you know, but like, and that doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, your parental unit, although that's where it often starts or like with your primary caregivers, but like even having friends who are in a secure relationship can serve as that alternative way of existing. And so kind of all those factors together can play a part. I know there's also like very specific kind of therapies that do this too. And, but it's like, it's really, they're very focused. And, you know, like I've, I've talked to people who said, well, I've been, you know, gone through X, Y, and Z therapy to become more secure. And I'd be curious to know what that really looks like because mm -hmm. I think it takes a lot to make that happen. In terms of my quiz, it's very interesting because I have a number of people who will take it and get anxious and I'm like, and they're like, yep, I resonate hundred percent. I'm anxious and like, this makes so much sense. And then I have other people like you who have all the signs of being anxious, but get secure. Mm -hmm. And I have done my test. I think this is like the third or fourth iteration of it for mm. this very issue. Cause I'm like, but it's this weird line where a, I think there's a lot of psychology into taking tests, you know, like I put the best that I knew about attachment into that test, but I'm not going to claim that like I'm a master test quiz maker who like sure. knows everything because I think sometimes it's how the questions are phrased mm -hmm. because here's the thing, anxious types and, and secure types are actually the closest in terms mm -hmm. of, I mean, fearful avoidance and anxious both share because fearful avoidance are a mix of anxious and avoidant styles. Mm -hmm. So, and those are the two dominant insecure styles, right? Because you've got secure, then you've got anxious and avoidant. They're kind of pretty neck and neck in terms of how many people are each. And then there's a small percentage that's a mix of them. So the small percentage that's a mix of them that has the anxious part in them, they have tendencies that are similar to anxious people. When I talk about it this way, they kind of fall into that category of anxious. So anxious and secure people they are similar in that they both want closeness. Like they consciously want closeness. Avoidant people actually do want closeness, but there's a different resistance to it with them in, on a conscious level. Like biologically speaking, as humans, we all want to connect and we all want to be close, but avoidant people often are the ones to tell themselves, I don't want a relationship. I'm better off alone. I'm busy. But really it's a fear of vulnerability on their part uh, mm -hmm. because they weren't taught it was safe to be vulnerable. 
So they don't consciously long for closeness in the same way. So when it comes to the quiz, it's like, there's a very fine line and I find it happens more with people who maybe were very anxious when they were younger, but like you have evolved into being a little more secure. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to taking the quiz, it's like, it's, you're walking this really fine line where you have these anxious tendencies but your conscious mind has become secure. Like you actually mm-hmm. know how you want to think and how you want to show up in relationships. But mm-hmm. it's like this unaccounted for little part of like when we're triggered. Yeah. That, this is why I say like, I give this little disclaimer on the front of my quiz, like be as honest as you can with mm-hmm. yourself, which is sometimes hard to do because you have to kind of put yourself back in the experience of last time you were triggered and how you felt. And yeah, exactly. You know? With with the person yeah. that you that you maybe hand over your worth to or whatever, like anything could shift in your reasoning. So I definitely see like me being secure now, but the right, you know, amazing For, human being yes. coming along and me being like, yeah, okay, whatever you want. <laughs> my plans are open. What do you, <laughs> what yeah, do you exactly. You it's want. like, <laughs> and, the, and the thing is like secure, that's why secure people and anxious people work really well together because secure people help pull the anxious person more towards security because mm-hmm. anxious people have at their core because they want to be close. They actually have an ability, like if they're with the right partner to be more secure. Cause when we are reassured by someone, it mm-hmm. makes us feel more secure with ourselves. And then when we get used to that and trust it, there's less anxiety. So that's why it's, they're, they're the only, like when people take my test, they're fearful avoidant, they get it. They're like, Oh, hundred percent. I'm fearful avoidant, you know, when like, it's very clear, but it's this little line of people who like most of my friends, like I have a good handful of friends who have taken this quiz and it's the same thing where like, I know they have anxious tendencies, mm-hmm. but they're showing up as secure because they've evolved and they are for all intents and purposes in their mind secure. But when we get triggered, we're taken back to that space. And so if you're not triggered when you're taking the test, it's like, right. anyway. that so, makes so much sense. That's my explanation for that. But like, mm-hmm. uh, again, in terms of the evolving, the attachment style, having relationships with people who are secure is so good for us anxious types and fearful avoidant types. That's not to say there are people who make it work with avoidant people, but talk about consciousness. It takes both people wanting and willing to be conscious to make that happen. So it's not like, a you know, I'm sentencing all, you know, avoidant people to not being able to be in relationships with anxious people. It's just, it takes more, it might take more work. It might take more communication, which all relationships take that to a degree, you know, but yeah, I think it's, paying attention to people who make you feel good, who you know are interested and giving them like maybe a second chance of you're not sure if you're interested in them. Because I think that's where healthy relationships come from more so is when you start off with that reciprocation and that trust factor, you know, and not the doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? that's a great reminder that that can come up very easily. And like on the dating apps, I'm like, I don't think this person's going to understand me or whatever it is. Right. That's yeah. great. And like, we haven't even like had a, a like discussion <laughs> like with one them photo. I'm like, I don't know that yeah. color polo shirt. I don't think you'll understand me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Colored polos. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I think there are certain people on the dating apps who were just like, you know, if they're wearing a MAGA hat, probably <laughs> not my vibe, but I'm just going to say that, but right, right. But you know, I think people can surprise us though, especially yeah. on the dating apps. That's so. a great reminder. Yeah. So I'll leave you with that. I hope that, you know, maybe you're excited to get on the apps again or I am. I'm excited to check. (laughs) I'm excited to see where I'm at with my likes and my messages now that I 
feel okay, more good. reinforced. Thank good. you so much. Amazing. You're so welcome. I hope you were able to take something from this. Oh, so much. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. That I'm, I'm in my energy now. I feel good. Good. Oh, I love that. That makes me happy. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, okay, I can go about my day feeling I, I did something. She's oh, in yes. her energy. You empowered um, me. Good. Amazing. That's, that's all I want in life. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you got a lot out of our episode today, I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll spend the time talking just like my guest and I did, getting you clear on what's blocking you from having the relationship you really want. All you have to do to book this free call is hop over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab, and you'll see the option to book your clarity call right there at the top. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you could rate and review it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore to stay up to date with tons of love and attachment information, resources, and offerings. You can also take my free attachment quiz that you can find both on my website and my Instagram page. All right, I think that's all for now. So until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.